Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guest is Maria Pearsalu. Maria is a personal chef guided by spices and science looking to make people fall in love with variety. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Maria, thank you, first of all, for agreeing to be on the show and sharing your story. No, honestly, thank you so much for allowing me to be on your podcast and to, you know, let me tell my story and hopefully maybe in some way I can help someone else that's, you know, out there in the same position that I was as a child or even now as an adult. For sure. So I want um, us to get started with the conversation starter. So I'm going to ask you yeah. a random question. Um, you'll just answer it um, and then we'll move into sharing your story. Go for All righty. Okay. Do you ever find it difficult being open with others? Why or why not? Uh, this is a really good one because by nature, I'm an oversharer and I don't, <laughs> I don't often okay. believe in having, um, <laughs> I don't often believe in having boundaries. I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm really happy to um, talk to anyone about anything, and I'm in return, I'm more than happy to be that ear to listen to anything that anyone okay. wants to tell me. So I'm, but there, there comes, um, there comes up, I guess, few talking points that are maybe um, I will, you know, to limit how deep I go into it with depending mm-hmm. on who I'm talking to. So, for example, with uh with the topic that we're talking about today i don't have any issues going deep into the detailed um nasties of the whole thing uh with anyone really but for example if it comes to um i don't know admitting some sort of emotional uh feelings about another topic another family Mm -hmm. member maybe i'm not so uh so honest with um people as i should be Okay. Yeah, that's so real. Thanks for sharing that. So we'll get right into your story. Um, If you would just take a minute to briefly introduce yourself um, a little bit more, and then um, you can get right into sharing your story. And that's wherever you would like to start. Uh, Well, I'm Maria. I live in the UK with my partner and my two-year-old toddler, which is super fun this year, (laughs) being at home, all of us, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Really, I guess my where I want to start is um, in my childhood, I guess. So, yeah, you know, born into a family, mother and father. Um, also have an older brother, but uh, we have separate dads. Um, okay. So his dad wasn't in the picture a lot when he, he was first born or younger. Um, I take away his story, but, you know, so he grew up with, with my dad as his father figure. Um, when he was growing up as well. So he sort of uh, witnessed the violence already before, way before I was even, uh, you know, conceived. Okay. My dad was already abusive to my mom way back, uh, as long as my brother can remember. From what she's told me, he was an alcoholic. Um, so it was almost like a split personality where in the, when he was sober, he was, you know, a, he was a normal dad, I guess. Not, I, I don't really remember much of that but he was you know he was a normal husband and a normal dad but as soon as the drink entered his bloodstream which it did pretty much every night it was like a switch 
and uh it was like a complete it was like a monster i'd unleashed um so he was one of those people where you know you'd do a bad thing and then by the morning when he'd sobered up he'd be like oh i'm so sorry you know i, I promise this will never happen again i'll change you know those the regular sort of uh, excuses and um the optimist and having you know first failed relationship from my uh brother's dad i guess she was so desperate to want to make it work um that she would just believe it um so you know she would keep giving him chance after chance after chance mm-hmm. um and then i guess it got to a point where my dad was well you know you've got a you've got a son and we don't have any children together i think if we have a child together that will fix all our problems um so i guess that's where i came in so they okay. and my mom had always wanted a girl anyway um so that's uh i guess i was sort of seen as the band-aid for their relationship in a way mm. um so i was born and um you know my dad was completely besotted with the idea that he was having a baby girl he was really excited about it and um and then i was born and obviously i don't remember much of that but the violence sort of crept in again that for my mom at some point you know it translated over to me even from a very young age uh so my mom would travel a lot for work and sometimes she would be away overnight so you know you you would hope that you can leave your child with the father of the child and yeah. be safe uh. um but you know he started he would just leave me alone at home uh even when i was you know way too young to be left home alone then he would come back okay. drunk and um and he would always say that i provoked him that i initiated that i made him angry and he, you know he couldn't control that anger but it it could just be as little as me coming down the stairs and saying where have you been all night or why are you home so late or you know whatever else a, a small child would say to their dad um mm-hmm. and then um I think I you know I wasn't really sure what was happening. I think the the earliest memories I have of the violence was maybe just, you know, just uh some spanking or uh you know whipping with the bell. I think that's sort of the earliest one that I remember, but it really escalated through okay. the years. Um so eventually I can't remember exactly how it all happened, but eventually, you know, I I told mom or I told my brother and um you know my brother was completely on board with me in terms of believing me and you know really giving my what i was saying him what i was telling him it, he was really giving it the power that i i think i needed i needed validation that i wasn't that i wasn't actually to blame here that i wasn't yeah. at fault here yeah i when i told my mom about it she was i think she believed me but i think she didn't want to believe me uh mm-hmm. so for for a while she you know she would she would just tell me things like um well you know try to stay away from him she wasn't it wasn't coming from a place of maliciousness or it wasn't coming from a place of yeah you know parental neglect or whatever she wasn't i just think knowing my mom she's just such an optimist or in in a sense that she hopes she hopes for the best for her family relationships 
is For point sure. A and point B, our family as a whole, um, our family as a whole is very much like uh, concerned with how we how we look on the outside to everyone else. Mm, yeah, um, that's real. So we so we want to so they we all want to come across as um you know we're a happy family everything's fantastic yep. we love each other we're so close with each other we mm-hmm. we can't get enough of each other <laughs> yeah um, that's real my mom and and i think and i think that's partly why you know from that's coming from her childhood and her bringing up in her generation so she was born in the, in the 50s she comes from a divorced um her parents divorced as well because the dad was having extramarital uh you know relations and, and whatnot and not to put her in a bad light because that's not fair but she almost kind of tried to sweep it under the rug for as long as she possibly could and you know me and my brother tried to convince it convince her to sort of break apart from him and and um you know get a divorce and get away from him and and you know really try to hit home with her that this isn't a safe environment not only for her but for her little daughter um and obviously she divorce was kind of out of the question for her for the longest time and um and then i tried you know different routes i tried talking to my family members like extended family members i tried talking to her sister my mom's sister i tried to both me and my brother tried talking to our extended family members um and um and no one <laughs> this puts my family in such a bad light and i it's not the case at all they're all great people but it's just no one wanted to take it seriously no one wanted to believe that this was happening under okay nose gotcha And I remember one, um, not to name any names, but one uh, really close family, extended family member. She, I, I went to her and um, she was much older than me. And she told me, you need to stop making these things up about your dad. You know, he's such a good man. He's such a good husband. He's such a good oh. father. You, you don't want to do this. Like you don't want to be the black black sheep of the family. And I remember that quote wow. in my life. And I was such a, it was, I was about, I think 10 or something when she told me that um wow yeah and and i told my mom that um years later and she was like oh you know she didn't mean anything by it she didn't mean it in that way which is a whole other issue in our family saying something and then them saying oh it's not how they meant you know every family (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not what you mean it's about how it's perceived Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so then the violence escalated to the point where uh you know i he was pinning me up against the wall and really hitting me he pushed me down the stairs he would chase me around the house with a knife trying to stab me um you know the list goes he tried to strangle me you know the list goes on and on and on but by the morning he would never have any recollection of what happened the night before Mm, okay um and um you know, there were several occasions where my uh, couple of my best friends would witness it, you know, and, and they, you know, can you imagine a child is on a sleepover at someone else's house and they witness that, you know, you're sketch it less. Yeah. Um, and, 
and I remember one particular one and you know my childhood best friend she still remembers it to this day she was over for a sleepover and, and it was just us three in the house as it well it was us two in the house this was I think pre-teens at this point um because he was out drinking and then he'd come back um and he would chase us both around the house and to the point where we had to hide in a cupboard and lock the door and wow. like just just hope and pray that he doesn't get it which i can't remember why but he kind of gave up that night or something i don't know maybe he passed out you know at some point my mom got my grandma to come and stay over because i think she thought maybe his mom will kind of prevent would calm happening. him down yeah um but you know as i said before you know she's the she is the love of my life she's the sweetest old woman on earth she is the greatest grandma one could ever hope for and i don't blame her or hold anything against her but again who wants to believe that about their kid that yeah they're beating up their grandkid you know nobody wants to believe that nobody wants to admit that reality and um you know years and years went by and and when it came to sick me turning 16 i i just uh you know i i'd finished um i'd finished uh my school at that point and i was like you know what i'm i'm done with this i'm moving far away from you all people <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so um so i moved away and um but then with that move, although I was away from him and his his abuse, um, it came with like this intense guilt that I've left my mom alone with him now. Um, okay. Because I always felt like when they were having their fights without me, as in he wasn't beating me up, I would always try and get in the middle of them physically to try and stop okay. him from hitting her. I, I always felt like I was the... I, even as a child, I always felt like I would rather be hit by him than him hit my yeah. mom. Gotcha. Um, so then I was feeling guilty that I'd left her alone with him. And, you know, God knows what he could do to her. You know, for all I know, he could one night just, you know, uh, kill her. And, um, and I mean, his, his alcoholism was so bad that on um, uh, one family holiday, we went away for... Uh, new year's and um he's uh, he's a white man right and so he's also very racist which we found out that holiday it all started we were at dinner table at the hotel and i was sort of young i can't remember possibly preteen, somewhere in that and i was excited to ho- open the champagne um to make pop the cork right at at midnight mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to open it. And my dad already had a few drinks at that point, but he was still sort of civilized, but he was like, no, I'm opening it. So he started arguing with me about whether or not he can open the the cork. But me being a kid and me being excited, I was like, no, mommy, please let me open it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, he got so pissed off that he, he got off the table, walked away. This was before midnight. So um, me and mom just kind of took on the New Year's by ourselves and went back to our room and then in the middle of the night maybe like two or three o'clock he comes pounding on our door hotel room you know kind of let me in shouting and screaming and threatening and whatnot clearly drunk as anything and uh, and then the then he went away after maybe half an hour pounding on the door then the next morning we got called in by the hotel manager 
uh, on our way to breakfast. And, you know, this is the news that nobody wants to hear on a holiday. They basically asked mom to leave the hotel with uh, with me because um, my dad had been arrested because he destroyed, he got so drunk at the hotel bar, he completely destroyed the uh, the furniture there, the, the alcohol bottles, and okay. he physically injured three, uh, three black waiters because they were black. And this is, you know, this is just so far from what I ever hoped to have as a dad, obviously, as, as yeah. anyone would kind of guess. Yeah. And it was so embarrassing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're asked to leave a hotel. Who does that? Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't think I've heard that, yeah. And yeah. Um, so, but, but in a way, I was so relieved because I thought, oh my goodness, if he's, if he's gone to jail now, we're free of him. We're finally, we're oh. finally uh, free of him. Hmm. So, um, so we went to a different hotel, just me and mom and continued on our, our vacation. Mom was kind of upset, but she was trying not yeah. to show it too much in front of me. And then um, one day we're <laughs> coming back into the hotel room from wherever and the receptionist um, says, oh, uh your your husband's waiting up in your room oh my goodness <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> almost honestly i just wanted to like run away and yeah. uh, oh it was just awful i don't know how he found us but uh, or yeah. how he even got out of um police detention or whatever wherever exactly he was yeah um and the day before that happened, me and mom were talking about it. And I, you know, I was really trying to level with her. And I was like, you know, mom, please try to, this is for both of our, both of our good. You know, you have to leave and be, you have to, you have to get away from this relationship with her. Cause she was, you know, saying positive things as in, yes, I think you're right. I think this is finally it. I think this is the last drop. You know, I, I cannot be with someone who, who would do anything like that. And, um, and then of course he comes back and, and and then of course dad starts crying, begging for forgiveness, promising, you know, heaven and earth and everything in between. And then of course the outcome of that is, okay, we'll give you one more chance. And then we just, and then he continued the holiday with us as if nothing had happened. And sort of that, that is really like a good sort of example of how all of the fights went. So there was nothing really that he could do that would, put the nail in the coffin for my mom in terms of okay. ending that relationship and getting as far away from him as possible. So, yeah, I mean, my, you know, my brother and I both, both tried different methods of getting through to our family members. Uh, and at one point my, my brother, uh, he actually moved away to a different country. Okay. And he, so he moved to the middle East. Um, and, and for so many years, because there's there's 14 years between us, so it's quite a big age gap. So okay. for so many years, um, I yes, he was my older, cool older brother, you know, who would do me favors if I needed them. Mm-hmm. But he was also sort of the. I knew if I called him and said I needed him, he would he would be there. And um, 
and he you know he def physically defended me from from dad um so many times and i and i knew, knew he defended my mom from him you know before i was born and um so there was so that sort of set off uh, a fear in me that oh god like he's now gone he's you know he's thousands of miles away who what am i gonna do now like my family members here they don't they don't really believe me as such they don't really want to be involved in this which you know if you haven't been in that situation i can't say i hold it against anyone because it's, sure. it's not really something you want to necessarily even know that's happening about your yeah, relative for sure um so i moved away at 16 and then i find out <laughs> that my brother had actually finally gotten through to my my mom in terms of divorce and uh my mom had divorced him which i i never knew about <laughs> oh okay she still she still wanted i mean she knew how i felt about my dad um mm -hmm. but she still wanted to keep up that illusion of of a happy family um and i think for maybe her own mental health sake or for her i don't know what, yeah, what for and I, I will never know mm -hmm. but um but in all those years she and and that's something my dad often said to me when we would have those uh you know fights is that when when he was sober uh is that he would always say that my mom has brainwashed me or uh you know, I'm making these things up. My mom is feeding me this false information or these, you know, fake scenarios that I've created in my head. Um, and and he would never believe me when I would say that's that's literally never been the case because, and it honestly hasn't because my mom, for for better or for worse, she has always tried to defend him to me. Mm -hmm. Um, even after the divorce, you know, she would always um she even to this day even you know she, she's still i think they're still in touch uh once in a while because obviously he knows that i have a daughter now so i think he probably asked her maybe about about my my daughter or whatnot mm -hmm. um but my mom still sort of she still she doesn't say positive things about him as such but she's never badmouthed him to him to me she's never said oh you should never talk to him again you should you should ban him from your life or you know he's the devil or you know he's that ne she's never said anything like it um and i think that was always frustrating with my dad is that even when he was sober and i was trying to get through to him i you know i it was there were so many chances i was giving him i you know i said please sign up to the aa or something please get help for my sake i was showing him you know, the bruises or or whatnot whatever i had um and uh, I actually remember me trying to talk to a uh, teacher at school about it once. Um, okay. My parents weren't in really invisible places for the most part. Um, but, you know, so I tried to talk to one teacher about it. Um, but this was, I think, right about the same time that I was trying to get through to my family members. So I was already in a place where I felt misheard or unheard or, or judged. Um, so her not taking it seriously either kind of just made me think all right well i just gotta put up with it until i i have to move out then 
Yeah. Um, and there was, uh, there was one particular bad incident where uh, sort of the injuries were so painful that I, I, don't, I didn't think I could get away with going to school and people not knowing about it. Um, and at that point, I felt like nobody else needs to know about it because clearly yeah. nobody else is going to believe it. Um, so, so I didn't go to school for, um, for a bit and for, I think it was like a week I took off school and then, you know, friends were asking where have you been or whatnot, or teacher mm -hmm. called mom, you know, how, how's she doing? I think I kind of lied to her as well and fake the, fake the cold or, or whatever to stay at home from school. It came to about, I'm trying to think possibly five, six years ago, maybe. I, I was really, I still struggle with nightmares, but I was really struggling. Okay. Um, I had a, a spell of really bad nightmares. I had, I felt, I physically felt a lot of hatred in me. I felt a lot of negativity within me. And okay. over the years since childhood, I've tried, you know, I've gone to so many therapists. I've gone to so many, I've tried everything. I've tried alternative therapies. I've tried conventional psychologists, whatnot. I tried to get help all those years, both my brother and I, and it wasn't reciprocated. It wasn't provided for us. So I feel like I needed to do something to get some sort of peace within me so I could, you know, move on with my life in some way. And, um, uh, and I even wrote, I, I even sent the same letter to my dad. I emailed it to him and I, and I said, you know, uh, I thought maybe, I, I still haven't forgiven him. I, I haven't said like, you know, I forgive you, I release you or whatnot. Cause I, I don't feel like I, I can do that even at this point. Um, you know, and this is all those years later, I'm knocking on, on, you know, turning 30. Um, so, you know, this is decades later, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't feel like I can, uh, I can get there. So I, I wrote a big long email detailing um some of the more <laughs> memorable if you will uh incidences that i had with my dad and and uh, i sent it to his brothers and i sent it to my cousins and and my aunts and uncles and and him and what i really wanted for the outcome to be is i wanted i wanted people to stop blaming me and my mom uh for i don't know initiating the abuse or or you know, provoking him or whatever else they thought. I, I wanted them to acknowledge, just to say, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm so sorry we didn't listen to you. I'm so sorry we didn't believe you. Okay. Um, so I sent that off and, and um, I received a response from my dad for it. And his response was of course that, you know, I'm making it all up and my mom's brainwashed me. So nothing new there. Okay. And, um, and everyone else, you know, some were more remorseful than others, some were more, you know, empathetic than others. But his side of the family, and of course I, of course I didn't expect, you know, his whole family to disown him or, or to completely cut him out of his life, but it was little nuances or little things that, that happened afterward, after that letter from his side of the family more you know his his brothers so my uncles for example um 
you know, we received uh, one invitation to one of their, or I think it was a wedding or christening or something. You know, it was meant to, I, how can you include us all as a family after what I've, you know, what I've just told you suffering that I went through as a child how can you do that or um another incident was that um his brother sent me uh, a calendar uh, of his family you know pictures for christmas present and w one month the picture was uh with my dad in it you know wh why would i gotcha. want a calendar with my dad's picture in it why why would i want that hung up on my wall <laughs> to see for a whole yeah. month um so it's still all those little things it still felt like okay so you you acknowledge my email or my letter but you haven't you still don't believe me you still don't validate yeah. the abuse that i went through and uh you know and i've had like a lot of i've had many conversations about this with my mom now you know when i've been an adult or even when i was when i was pregnant and and everything and and i do truly believe that she feel i know she feels awful about it you know she feels a lot of guilt herself that she didn't take action sooner or you know all those things that you a normal mother would feel um but and and i don't and this is what i referenced earlier about lack of communication in our family is that i don't truly know the the full extent, the full truth about, say, my mother's childhood or my or my mother's previous relationship. No one really wants to talk about the the really ugly things that happen in everyone's lives. It's not. I'm not an exception that I've been, you know, domestically abused by my dad. I'm absolutely not an exception, yeah. but it doesn't have to be that bad for everyone to experience something ugly in their family you know as you said that's families every family has for sure issues every family has things to talk about but i uh, i i don't know what i what i really hope from that but i kind of just wanted huh? i think i'm forever looking for validation right after all those years of Got you. validation yeah and um it even got to the point where my brother actually, uh, I think he consulted um, police or, or someone of authority at, at one point about the abuse for me. And um, and they said they can't do anything unless there's uh, proof of it. Bruises were not enough proof. I think it's the same with rape victims, right? They need such um, unrealistic evidence and also, gotcha. yes, there's, there's very, obviously, there's a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of false reports on domestic abuse um, and other, you know, violence issues. Mm -hmm. Of course, that happens. But should you at least not take it a little bit more seriously when it comes from a, when a child is being abused or anyone for that yeah. matter? You know, should you not That's at true. least investigate it a little bit further? And my biggest concern was that. Uh, keeping my daughter safe now you know when I, when I got pregnant with her my, yeah. my worst nightmare is still is that if he you know what if he gets anywhere near my daughter mm -hmm. my most precious whole entire universe I that would absolutely be <laughs> beyond a nightmare so 
I'm trying I'm trying really hard to um like we have a very strict uh, no social media policy you know so we don't put anything up on social media uh we have a very tight control on who I send her pictures to or who I send her updates to because I don't want him realistically knowing anything about her gotcha. I know through his family members um he knows her name and he has seen her pictures which i'm not even comfortable as it is but i i you know i can't control what leaves everyone's mouth for sure um so i think yeah that's that's sort of the uh vague the story lasting of, trauma. of how i yeah um and as i said you know i still suffer with uh nightmares and the nightmares are always the same i have uh, they're almost like on a rotation. I think I have maybe five regular scenarios that I regularly get. Um, they, as I recently discovered, <laughs> um, I started watching How to Get Away with Murder, and mm -hmm. um, and I and I hadn't had uh, nightmares for a good few months before that. I started watching that show, and nightmares were coming back, but I didn't really make the link. So then my friend who said uh, she. She actually suggested, what if the show is actually triggering your own trauma and causing yeah. nightmares? Um, yeah. So I stopped watching that. I stopped watching that show because it was just too stressful for me. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and I haven't had the nightmares since, so it's been a good few weeks now. But there's clearly, oh, well, that's great. even still that I'm learning, there's clearly triggers for me. Yeah. That certain emotions or certain reactions, even subconscious ones from me on how I respond to just everyday life, even, you know, sleep. And, um, yeah. And, and I think how it's affected specifically my relationship with my mom, for example. Um, uh, I'm a very emotional person anyone who knows me can tell you i will cry at an advert like and there's no tomorrow <laughs> um, <laughs> and i'm i'm very comfortable with expressing my feelings of love to people i uh, her, I'm a, you know my my love language is physical uh language so i like to you know hug people i like to tell them that i love them and I miss them and all, all of that. But when it comes to my mom and, uh, you know, I don't have any uh, scientific explanation for this, but it, I have a real struggle. It, it, it feels, it takes a lot for me. Like it, it's a physical struggle for me to say, even I love you to her. And I, I do love her. I, you know, of course I love her, but I want to say, I wonder if it has anything to do with my, as I mentioned earlier of me, feeling the need to protect her the the i need to be the protector of her i need to be the strong one for her i need to be the i can't show any signs of emotions or weakness because maybe i'm i don't then feel adequate enough to be defensive of her um and i you know and i try to i make a conscious effort of um showing her my love you know i give her really meaningful presents uh you know that have really sentimental value for like birthday christmas and i try other ways but i really wish that i would get to a point where i would i would talk to her like i would you know talk to my partner you know all right bye love you miss you 
you know, can't wait to see you. I feel all those feelings, but I can't say it to her, which is just the most bizarre thing. <laughs> I feel like I should be stuck. Got you. <laughs> um, Got you. No, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you have definitely spoken to, you know, the lasting trauma that you've experienced um, from your story um, and just your experience. Um, so first, thank you for being open and willing uh, to share those uncomfortable moments um, and those realities that are still affecting you now. Um, so for someone who may be listening or watching and they experience um, domestic abuse from a parent, what would you tell them? I think I really regret uh, not pushing my story hard enough with my family members, not pushing okay. hard enough to get help. Um, I think I was always so scared of, I don't even know why, but, I, you know, I, I think, I know it's really scary and, and I know it has, it, it might even ruin your relationships with your family members. It might alienate you from them completely. They might, they might even go as far as to disown you, but ultimately, um, I would have happily taken that risk if it meant, um, not being in that situation, not having my mom in that yeah. situation. I would have, I think it's, I think it's so important to, to stand your ground with your story, with, with your truth of what's happened to m really make people believe. Um, it's, it's not their responsibility to believe, but it is your responsibility if you want them to, to make them believe, I feel like I feel like it was my responsibility to get the help that I needed. Um, yeah. So I think I think yeah, that's probably what I would say is to not suffer in silence, not to not alienate yourself from from your friends or from school. Try and really make a beeline for for getting yourself out of that situation. For me, it the best thing that happened was that I left home when I was 16. That's not the case for everyone. Um, for me, that worked uh, really well. But I think I think another thing that um, I just want to mention is that with my dad's uh, addiction to alcohol, um, you know, I tried talking to him so many times, tried to rationalize, trying to reason with him. And I think what I still feel like uh, to this day is I was never good enough. I was never important enough to him for him to stop. Even, even if he thought that I made up all the stories, even if he thought all the stories were fabricated by my mom and brainwashed me, he should have stopped to consider what if they were real? What if I really did that to my own daughter that I claim to love so much? Got you. And because of that, uh, it's just I always feel like addiction was stronger than his his love for me, which is what I felt like. Um. So, so I think yeah, there's there there's something to be said to not suffer in silence for sure. Yeah. No, that's so. And important. also, you know, it is an uncomfortable subject. The um, I don't find it uncomfortable to talk about at all because I think I'm very open about it. And 
a lot of the responses you can see you know sort of facial expressions and body language they get uncomfortable they get they get the sort sort of um for lack of a better word sort of pity uh and, and it's totally gotcha. you know expected i i would be the, yeah. I would do the exact same thing if i was in that shoes but it doesn't have to be that way. it doesn't have to for sure to be this uncomfortable let me let me rephrase it should be uncomfortable because it's not right what's happened yeah but it should be comfortable enough to, to talk, talk about, about make this for sure go away thank you so much again um Rhea, for sharing your story and being willing to have a difficult um conversation although it's not as difficult you know for you to share um these aren't easy topics to to discuss so thank you for being open um and sharing your story um and raising awareness i'm hoping that this will help um someone who has gone through a similar experience or even if someone is watching and maybe they're experiencing guilt for having done something to their child um i'm hoping that they can take something away from this not just for the victim but also the abuser as well yeah. um, can take something from this episode so thank you so much for helping to raise awareness and i'd love for you to share where people can stay connected with you yes so i'm actually a personal chef by profession so i uh, i run a service called the happy food lab uh, so it's thehappyfoodlab.com and on Instagram, it's also the Happy Food Lab. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will have all of Maria's information in the episode description so that you can stay connected with her. If you know someone that has experienced um, domestic violence, um, please share this episode with them. Um, or, you know, if you maybe you aren't sure what to say or how to approach um, someone that you know is experiencing this, if you ever have the opportunity to just kind of share this with them and help raise awareness, um, we would encourage that because we're willing to have the difficult conversations um, to hopefully foster the same sort of conversations in your community. Um, so thank you so much again, Maria, for sharing your story. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Maria on social media. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSC Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSC's listening platforms share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.